Welcome back to another Tim Wizards podcast. In our third episode of season two, we have another guest. It's time from the world of casting, introducing Zobi. Tell us about yourself. Hello, hello. As Faye said, uh, my name is Zobi. Um, I am a 20-year-old engineering Harvard student by day, but a uh, esports commentator by night behind the scenes. Uh, mainly working on Valorant in the collegiate and game changer scenes. Cool. And let's start from the beginning, of course. What got you into casting and gaming in general, of course? What was your first game? Ooh, my first game. I, I don't even remember it's been that like that ingrained in my life, but I think one of the earlier games I remember is like just watching my my dad play like Legend of Zelda and like wanting to like take the controller <laughs> from him so that I could play it for myself. Um, and then like once we, me and my brother and my sister all got our mm. like DSs, it was a lot of you know like Pokemon and like also Legend of Zelda on that. So, oh, what was your favorite Pokemon game? I like Pokemon as well. Oh, I want to say that it was it was. I think it was, it's been a while. Pokemon, I want to say, let me look it up. Pokemon. I think it was, I think it was Pokemon Gold and Silver, yeah. Because I, I, okay. I think I played it on the DS first and then went back and played it on the Game Boy Color once my dad started like mm -hmm. collecting gaming systems. So, <laughs> it's definitely my favorite. It is a good game as well. And it was one of the it better is. generations of Pokemon, of course. You got, what star did you pick? I always picked um, Totodile, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I usually went for... Oh, it was Cyndaquil. Yeah, Cyndaquil is actually my favorite <laughs> Pokemon like in the entire like universe. And so, of course, that's mm. my favorite game. That's where they <laughs> came from. <laughs> you know, it's in... Um, what's it called? There was a new um, game, not recently, but like about a year or two ago. Legends, um, Pokemon Arceus. Pokemon Legends. Ooh. And they had a Cyndaquil in the game, but as it got to its final stage, of course, it wasn't the same. It got like a special like oh. Sinnoh variant. So it's, it's quite cool. <laughs> At least they recognized how uh, mm. popular Cyndaquil is. <laughs> Gave them the limelight they deserve in one of the newer games. <laughs> I don't think Cyndaquil is used that much, to be honest, as the Pokemon. Are, that's what I was saying. <laughs> Most people use water types because you know, I feel like water types are one of the... If you have a water type, you're going to win the game a lot easier as well. Because most gyms, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, fire type, is, especially in like um, Generation 1 as well. You've got Brock, you've got Misty, you know, that's mm -hmm. rock, water, exactly. yeah. But yeah, Pokemon, that's, that's nice. Um, so, FPS games. <laughs> I know, that's a 180, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, essentially, I, I got into FPS games mainly through my brother, I think, like mainly like with the Xbox and the introduction of like the mm -hmm. Xbox 360 when I was growing up. So I played a lot of like COD, I played a lot of like zombies and Halo with him. And then kind of when I got into PC gaming, um, when COVID hit, that's when I discovered kind of like the Valorant universe and like me and my friends would play it to pass the quarantine period away. Cool. And were you a part of the beta, the Valorant beta? So I sadly was not. I think I was watching people play the game, but I never kind of branched into it for myself until, like I said, my friends kind of convinced mm. me to play with them. And I want to say that was like act two. And, you know, like everybody else, I started out in iron and I've worked my way up to the diamond <laughs> one peak. <laughs> you got to diamond. Wow. Yes. Do you have any tips for new players who want to get to diamond? Oh, um, 
I think just watch Valorant, to be honest, because like mm -hmm. you can't I don't think you can teach yourself game sense by just playing. Like, yes, you can get better in terms of like, you know, like Uto placement or, or comms mm. or like raw aim through training, but you can't learn game sense from other people or just from playing more. I think you do have to watch other people and learn yeah. how they approach the game. Since you're an esports caster as well, would you say that impacts your performance in game? Would you say it makes you better because you're watching people play, of course? Um, I think I can talk for the majority of the individuals in the casting and the production space and say that I think it makes you worse. Oh, okay. You you overthink everything. <laughs> so this might be not true for like the people that are like higher elo, mm. like Ascendant Immortal, because then like the lobbies that they're playing in is the same kind of wavelength that their thought process is. But for me, I'll be like, you're not supposed to be singing that because I'm <laughs> used to these higher level individuals and watching their gameplay. But when you're in a plat lobby or a low dive, it's like they're singing mm. everything that they, they want to. And you just, they do, you know, low IQ plays that end up catching you off guard. So you wouldn't say that Carson helped you Climb the ranks. I don't think it did, no. I think, like I mm. said, it was more just watching and learning, like, the initial game sense. And then now yeah. it's kind of like my game sense is above the elo, so then I overthink mm. everything. <laughs> Would you say it's important to play as a team or solo play? Um, I definitely think I do better, like, when I'm playing with my duo, just because, number one, it keeps mm. the mentality up if you are in any kind of toxic lobbies. But then again, yeah. like even when you're solo queuing you do have to have a good kind of energy on your team you have to have comms because if you don't have comms mm. you have almost zero information and like i'm like staring at the minimap half the time just trying to get the information that my teammates aren't communicating and you know sometimes you die trying to get that information on your own right versus it could have just easily been a few words said like oh <laughs> phoenix is rubble <laughs> true true some yeah makes sense yeah and what's it called? Moving to the casting side, of course. Like, how did you get invited to be a caster? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I started out in the game changer sphere of things. And it was actually mm -hmm. kind of funny. I accidentally got into casting while uh, searching for companies or speakers for a women in technology conference. So, okay. like I said, I am um, studying computer and electrical engineering at Harvard, mm. and I was part of an organization called WeCode, which stands for Women in Engineering Code, and they host one of the largest tech conferences for marginalized genders that's student-based. And I was essentially looking for kind of gaming individuals, and I came across an organization called The Gamers, which is like an online community, it's a Discord server, and they had an opportunities channel. And in that opportunities channel, um, somebody named Annie Poo, they're an amazing individual in the esports scene as well, had posted looking for, um, on Twitter, casters. Um, they were looking for, uh, you know, marginalized gender, ideally in college, for a collegiate event called Crescent Cup, uh, which was for uh, marginalized players to as well play in. And so it was like 11 p.m. and I DM'd them like, hey, I have never casted professionally before or for an event but I've done it before for my friends as jokes in Discord calls, you know, during quarantine and such. And I was like, would you give mm. me a chance? Especially because they said little to no experience required. And so they replied and it was like 1 a.m. And they were like, yeah, can you send me a, a f like a clip of you casting over a few rounds? And I was like, yeah, I can do that for you. And so at 1 a.m. I pulled up one of the old VCT Masters Reykjavik vods and recorded like a seven minute kind of expose of what i could do and sent that to them <laughs> and then you got into the tournament of course exactly. and how was your and... experience casting for the first time what was it like 
It was it was really interesting because um, I was supposed to only cast for one day, and then I was brought mm -hmm. on for both days as a substitute. And oh, so wow. one day was with uh, yeah, was was with somebody who was also less experienced in casting, so that one was kind of chaotic. But the other day was with somebody who had been casting for for a good amount of time, and so I got to see you know kind of the differences in how people approach casting, and you know the production team was just so supportive that I was like, wow, this is really really fun because like I I was kind of that individual that like a little social awkward in person but like behind a camera you know in your own place like you can kind of come alive you can be more confident and yeah so yeah yeah saying... i feel like i feel like that's so true especially mm -hmm. it really helps what's cool when you're in your own room you know you're on your own turf of course but you're just like yeah you're the master of your environment you're not worried about anyone else behind you any any pressures of course yeah i don't know why that is of course it's strange but it's true because i have the same exactly. thing as well but yeah control the environment <laughs> mm. but either way so after that event ended um annie like i said they liked the potential i guess that they saw in me and my abilities as a caster that could grow and they invited me into another marginalized gender server called gallerance which if you if that name rings a bell to you they were once in charge of the entire game changer circuit in na partnered with riot and so I joined them, I joined their commentator channels, and I just was invited for more and more events through them, whether it was their in-houses, which partnering with Gen G, whether it was Game Changers Academy, which is also right affiliated and kind of the lead into the main Game Changer circuit, or even Astro Class, which is one of the bigger off-season events in Game Changers. Hmm. It's quite an impressive career, to be honest. So I didn't know about um, Gallerance. So tell me more about this Gallerance, actually. Yeah, so Gallerance was founded by a uh, now they're now a Gen G member named Nikki, and they essentially just wanted to create a safe space for marginalized genders. Marginalized genders are anybody that um, did not identify as a cis male, and um, it was just supposed to be a safe space to kind of play mm. with your friends without worry about some of uh, the kind of I guess mistreatment that can happen and the toxicity that can happen in the Valor community, and also just working on ways to improve it and to uplift players and and broadcast talent since there aren't as many resources out there for for marginalized genders or just in general for getting into the esports uh, world cool so they're part of gen g right now that's quite a big team yeah as the well. founder is yeah um and gallerance would partner with them once in a while for events so it's kind of cool mm. so i heard you what's it called got invite to vct ah, the yes. shadow so... yes tell me about that because <laughs> That's really, that's really cool. Yeah, so that's a that's a big year jump. So Crescent Cup was mm. about a year ago, and then that yeah. was a few days ago. And essentially, um, through my work with Game Changers, I got to meet um, one of the VCT official uh, observers. Their name is Sapphire mm -hmm. or Heather, um, and they also are a VCT Game Changers analyst. And essentially, um, I, I just reached out to them and was like, hey, I know you're a mentor for another program I'm in called The Broadcasters. That's a whole other story. And I was like, I'm coming to LA for champs. Um, do you think this would be possible? And I essentially was like, I just, I just want to shadow. I just want to see behind the scenes to see kind of how an official broadcast in person differs from, like we said, casting in your own environment, casting um, mm. from the remote perspective. And I, I figured, you know, Riot would put a big, no, we don't know who you are, stamp on that <laughs> and stop it from happening immediately, especially since they were working with a new production company. But to my surprise, it, it went through pretty seamlessly. They, they agreed. I, I filled out my paperwork and then just got to walk in. 
and it was it was such a cool experience you know we started out with a tour we got to see um kind of the top of show from the broadcast room where the directors are calling all of the shots and then i just got to kind of observe different kind of stages throughout the day and did you get to of course do any of the scenes of course or nah you said did i get to do any of the scenes yeah, did you get to be on any of the scenes? I knew you were shadowing, of course, but did it let you like trial some scenes or? Sadly, I I did not get to because it is you oh. know VCT champions. It is like their culmination mm. of the season. But I did get to walk onto the stage, which you know nobody in the audience gets to do. I did get to take some uh, pictures oh, wow. like at the caster desk, so that was pretty cool. Oh, and, I think I saw um, that. Yeah. Exactly. And I also got to sit in the coaches, uh, the coaches mm. booth, you know, where, where, where Potter and the DRX coach sat the day I was shadowing. <laughs> yeah. You also used to have the um, posters, of course. Yeah. With, yeah, you should show them. They're, they're really good. Yeah, it's I a shame you're in the hotel they're... right now because, what's it called? It's, the they're not on jams. the wall, but yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, before VCT Champs happened, obviously VCT Americas was the qualifier for the Global Beach. Mm. And so that was at the beginning of the summer in LA. So I kind of ended the summer where I, I started in terms of uh, visiting. And while I was there, yeah, yeah. I, I made some posters to support the teams that I was rooting for. <laughs> they are some good um, posters as well. And you also got the... Thank you, thank you. What's it called? On your microphone, you had the... What's it called? The pizza? Oh, the, the pizza buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, if you're okay with me uh, walking away, I can grab a prop that I do have. Do you want me to do that? Sure, yeah, go it? for it. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually quite cool, to be honest. All right, all right. And so, um, in addition, I don't, I don't have it for me for champs, which sucks, mm. but... I've attended a few uh, gaming conventions in, in cosplay from Valorant, and so one of the things I made was a, a 3D printed swarm grenade. And so, yeah, this is kind of the intersection of my interest mm. in esports and engineering, I guess, coming to life. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I see in Blue Skirmish every stream, but I never, I always see it from like a mile away. But now I see it in person as well. Like it's bigger, of course. Like the detail's of quite course, good. So, what did you make yeah. out of? Um, so, like I said, it was 3D printed, so I didn't make the file mm. online. I found the file. But then okay. I believe I did, I think I used PLA, and then it's just uh, spray mm. paint and super glue. <laughs> so. Yeah, it took a, took a solid like eight to ten hours of printing per piece, but um, it came out really well. I'm surprised, yeah, too. Did you have to like peel any of the pieces off or anything? Because I know 3D printing gets like messed, yeah. meshed together. I think, um, like I said, there was a few pieces that did require support. Um, I mm. believe there was only one piece, really, which is this, uh, I guess, this back brace right here, because it's like this curve. So that one yeah. definitely had some support to peel away, but the rest were pretty like top-bottom solids. They could support mm. themselves pretty easily. It's good. Mm -hmm. And I know you've also, you know, done some cosplays as well. <laughs> but yeah, because yeah, of course like... you have the full costume. Yeah, so I've, um, like I said, I've cosplayed Killjoy, cosplayed a few characters from Genshin Impact, but that's a, a whole nother story. And I'm <laughs> trying to figure out who I want to do um, next for, um, for DreamHack Atlanta. But I think like the cool things that I've made that I don't have with me currently are I've made a... I've made a full-size uh, Prime Vandal, a uh, mm. Glitch Pop Frenzy. I've made the Freedom Sworn Sword from uh, Genshin Impact, the Kazuha signature weapon. And I've also made the, the Glitch Pop Dagger. So all those are pretty cool. <laughs> what would you say your favorite tournament is so far in your career as a Valorant caster? 
My favorite tournament. Um, I think I have to go blue back skirmish, to... Blue skirmish, blue skirmish. Ask me blue skirmish. Um, <laughs> nah, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I, like I don't want to say it's not a tournament, but it's like an ongoing uh, weekly thing. So I guess it's true. more of a circuit, but... Yeah, it's yeah, been, yeah. It definitely, It's definitely been different solo casting <laughs> for that than, you know, the duo casts I'm used to. Mm. But I, I think I gotta give it to um, one of the events I did earlier this year. I believe it was in January. Um... And that was for, I casted for Astro Clash LCQ, which was the last chance qualifier to a LAN in Las Vegas in March. And cool. I think that was my favorite, not just because it was, mm. um, was in Game Changers, it was part of a Gallerance, but for two reasons. One, I got to cast with somebody named Zach Riven, and they are a professional, professional caster, and they are like so experienced, and they, they taught me so much about casting. And they're even like now casting for like the main uh, VCT Game Changers events in the EU and APAC. So I'm hoping they'll be at the international event. They better, they deserve that mm. spot. Um, but not only did I get to, like I said, get to learn and uh, kind of grow under them, but then I had the opportunity kind of uh, last minute and impulsively to go to the land. I didn't get to cast it, but I got to attend those, like I said, in-person uh, finals in Vegas. And so that was my first ever in-person land that I actually had attended. Um, so it kind of going from casting the qualifier to attending and watching the teams compete live was an unforgettable experience. Was there a lot of big teams in that event? Yeah, so um, actually one of the first pro teams I ever got to cast was in that event. Um, V1, they're one of the biggest teams in VCT Game Changers. At V1? The oh, um, wow. Yeah, they're the ones that won it all, so they, they were there. Mm. I got to cast for them. And then also there were teams like like Evil Genius's Game Changers teams, like like Mystic they're good. Gaming. Yep. Um, yeah, so a lot of the like signed teams that are in Challengers and VCT have their own GC teams, and they were there. It's good. Like version one, Evil Geniuses, and mm-hmm. what's everyone Misfits, big names as well, and of course exactly. we've got MSF, um, Fluorescent, um, I think they recently went to V1 V-Wide. as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, congrats to them. Thriving. Yeah, because I also called, I saw them also called before they joined MSF, but then they went to MSF, but then they went to V1. It was like the progression was amazing. It's so cool to see players go from zero to hero, of course. You see them blow up and then you see them on a team, right? And like, oh, it's amazing. It shows that anyone can do this, of course. And it's nice to see. It's a nice inspiration to other people. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And what's cool about uh, Game Changers is they do have open qualifiers. So mm. you consistently see these kind of free agent unsigned teams come together. And those are kind of their, I guess, chance to prove themselves to organizations. And then you can kind of see them get signed by these organizations in between events, in between series. I mean, I can't say which team they're going to join, but I even know somebody that like reached out to me and was like, hey, you, you casted for me on this free agent team called Newt Newt. And I just got signed and we'll be competing on a different team for GC3. And it's it's a pro team. So I'm like, oh, wow. yes, you, you, you deserve that spot. Big You're going to do amazing yeah. things. Exactly. I just realized what's on, on the overlay. I accidentally gave you two eyes. If you want to add a third, you can. But yeah, fun fact, I uh, have three eyes there, five on Twitter. It's all over the place. I don't blame you. It will, it will be in the YouTube title, okay? It will be. Also, um, <laughs> funny watching, it's also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Deezer, Samsung Podcasts, and a few others as well. But mm. we normally, of course, we have the face cams on YouTube, of course. It's quite a new thing as well. I prefer it, you know, rather than just listening to audio. I know I will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what's it called? How big was the event? I know there was a bit, a lot of cast, 
lot of cast and a lot of production going on. It must have been quite a big event if those teams were tying up, of course. Tell me yeah, about so... the prize pool. Well, let me. I'll have to pull that one off. I don't know it off the top top of my head. <laughs> Just an estimate. Get it for you. Yeah. So it was. This was the the second year of Game Changers. Mm. They did it back in 2022 as well. And so the prize pool was five, six, seven, almost ten thousand uh, dollars, with first place taking five thousand dollars. Um, and like I said, that main event in person had. Let me see how many I can get for you. It had. I believe eight teams in person at the LAN, but like the actual qualifiers themselves had like, I want to say 32 teams each. And there were, there were two qualifiers and then the, uh, the, uh, or sorry, there was one qualifier and then the LCQ before the main event. Okay. And could you say the prize pool again? How big was the prize it was, pool? It was almost $10,000, I believe, or if it, or it might've been even $10,000. It's really uh, good. Yeah. That's is that, have on the, on is that the um? Is that for first place or is it like first, second, third, fourth, fifth? Yeah, it was. It was split between uh, first and fourth place, I believe. Wait, what was first place? First place was five thousand. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for the smaller free agent tournaments, as well, it's unfortunate for the smaller um, teams, of course. But still, that's good. It's good for the game changer scene, of course, because the game changer scene is still developing, and you know it's yeah it's what um what do you think the future of the game changers scene will be like? Of course, what changes do you expect? Yeah, so I think um, there's two major aspects I can approach this from. I think um, one of them is just that we're trying to bring um, a lot more kind of, I guess, publicity and like viewership mm. to the scene, just because like these players are as good as kind of the mainstream players like they can if you put them on a team like with with the guys in like night's gauntlet or other kind of tier two events they'll they'll perform just as well and so um there's teams like like disguised toast who has been putting together you know they they, they dip their toes in challengers but he also made mm. a game changers team and so they competed in gc2 um and gc1 and gc2 they they, they made the main event they almost won it actually and so just having those big names behind it and supporting game changers brings in you know a lot of viewers and a lot more people into the community that support that creator so i think um just mm. creator viewership translating into viewership and overall support so that yeah. it has a justified reason to continue game changers and bring you know bigger venues bigger uh kind of sponsors and bigger prize pools into the mix is so important and then the second phase of kind of the growth for uh, game changers in my eyes is kind of some way to bring it into co-ed kind of uh, interaction i mean i think we i remember seeing the announcement that there's one female player finally in a uh, it was either challengers or vct team somewhere um it was over i think i want to say the apac region and so that's a huge step but then you have teams like v1 who are using kind of the the co-ed scene as a training ground for their domination in game changers so um they're slowly making their way up and showing that hey an all marginalized gender team can be just as successful as these all-male teams mm. and in terms of funding of course do you think esports is losing money as a whole? Because there is a lot of big news where investors are running out of money, and it is quite sad to see. Because, of course, I'm a fan of esports. You're a fan of esports. What do you think? Yeah, what yeah. do you think they can do to change that? I think, um, I think it has to come out. I definitely think that 
it's it, it does make sense that people are losing money just because um i mean you only get money if you win the events versus you're consistently paying salaries to your players so that they can train and prepare for these events so they don't perform you see a lot of teams or rosters getting cut right after uh one or two events where they lose just because you know the companies can't continue to support them and it definitely sucks and is very volatile but i think um just like I said, being able to support the scene and have like Riot be able to maybe kind of step in after having these big sponsorship arrangements mm. to kind of support these organizations that compete in their events would be a way to kind of, I guess, stabilize it. But I also know that's asking a lot from the company that's just really in charge of, of the game and managing the events. Yeah. And of course, you know, mm -hmm. Valorant, it's cool to have Valorant, you know, helping Riot Games, of course, helping these tournament organizers. But at the same time, mm -hmm. you also want them to be independent as well. Because if they can't stand exactly. their two feet, once Riot, you know, walks away, boom, they're gone, of course. They've already put too mm -hmm. much of the Riot Games money into the thing. Exactly. It's finding that, you know, the balance, of course. And the problem with that is it's just the sponsors right now and the some of the rules in Riot Games for sponsors as well. Because as a tournament organizer, there's um like a list of what you're allowed to sponsor, of course. And... Mm -hmm. Like, pretty much the only thing you can really sponsor is energy drinks. And that's it. <laughs> uh, it's pretty funny. And, I, like, I understand because I don't want their name behind, like, maybe, like, a, mm. a controversial company or somebody who doesn't have, like, the same values that align with them. But it, it definitely can be a limiter, yeah. Because, like, of course, you've got CSGO, of course, where they've got um, esports gambling. I think... I don't think I don't think gambling is um awful if it's in small quantities. Of course, you've got the lottery, of course, right? And I feel like it's good for the sport. Of course, you've got in real sports, and that's what makes the sport money. Of course, if you don't have yeah. money coming in, right, then you're just hurting the you know the esports. Like CS:GO yeah, guess... clearly works. Yeah, I guess. I definitely think the CSGO and the Valorant communities are, are pretty different, though, um, mm. in terms of kind of the, the viewers. And, like, it's obviously, like, a lot of Gen Z versus, like, people that are 10 or 20 years older still playing uh, CSGO. And, like, maybe we don't have the same gambling or, like, betting mentality or kind of, like, initiative uh, behind it. Um, like, and also, like you said, sports is where there's a lot of uh, betting. And I guess, like, maybe that just isn't translating so much to what Riot wants their, their game to be like mm. and their esports uh kind of community to be like it's i think it's, it is up to them <laughs> what is your take on of course gambling esports no like i said i i've heard about it and like like if mm. you want to it's your money but yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I do think it's obviously like the organizer's choice i would say mm. to, if they want to kind of support it um like i i don't think like riot banning it i don't it's kind of like something that they would kind of look into but like it makes sense that they're not like fully endorsing it because then also somebody dumps their life savings mm. into a match that they lose yeah. then um they don't want right doesn't want to be or not responsible but they don't want to be getting True. the backlash from that and then also like i don't know if mm. it's the same in csgo but like you can expect a game to go one way and then it completely is a 180 in the other direction i mean <laughs> nobody expected Fnatic to get 13-1 on map one yeah. <laughs> versus uh drx and then come back and still win it all so it's it's definitely kind of like I feel like Valorant's that much vol more volatile that betting is kind mm. of hard to predict. <laughs> True, of course, but at the end of the day, it's a lottery. Of course, you could, you know, win. You could True. not win. Of course, but I feel like it's good for the industry. Of course, because one, you're funding your favorite tournament organizers. You're fun. You're helping your favorite teams. You know, be able to play in tournaments. So it helps with the prize pool. Of course, if mm. there's no prize pool, of course, then no one's going to play the tournament. 
And I think that's where, like we said, sponsorships come out, especially for mm. like grassroots or smaller tournaments yeah. and events, kind of like um like Blue Skirmish is they'll partner with like, you know, peripherals or like energy drinks. And mm. those companies will 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 sponsor part of the prize pool so that they can get kind of I guess yeah. viewership or they can get advertisements for their products and then they sell more products and that's their incentive mm -hmm. for sponsoring the prize pool or the investment in the first place. True, but I do feel like grassroots tournaments, of course, they do struggle with sponsorships. Like, of course, you get the Twitch viewers, of course, right? You'll get some, like, ah, oh, Rage Shadow Legends wants to sponsor you. I always get that on my Twitch um, achievement, Twitch, like, <laughs> Gmail. It's so annoying. It's always the um, yeah. adverts you see on Instagram, but they're everywhere. I don't know if it's obviously you're from uh, from EU and I'm from mm. NA, so I feel like the grassroots scenes might be a little bit different in the two regions. But at least on NA, I think there is a growing support basis. There's organizations like Pydia Gaming or like um, Community Gaming that will sponsor your prize pool in its entirety up to like five hundred dollars if you use their tournament platform. So I know you guys use the Challengers platform, but like I said, both Pydia, which is a marginalized uh, gaming um, group, and um, like Community Gaming. They'll, they'll give you part of the price pool just for hosting it on their their bracket manager. I'm do I'm doing this. Do, do you know why I'm doing this? Do you know I why I'm know doing why this? You're doing that. Well, see, if you saw my Discord, you'd know. Also, called um, when I was talking to Blue Skirmish, right? About the um, yes. in, the Institute of Challenger mode. Now, I don't yes. know. I'm not gonna say anything, right? But this could be my last week on Challenger modes. Oh, could be the last week for Blue Skirmish, right? So, battle uh, flight. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got a plan. Making your own. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Diali was saying that in the Discord. He was like, are you going to make your own? I was like, maybe, to be honest. Because here's the thing it's so, you've got more freedom, of course. Yeah. If you want to change the rule, of course, you can just change it, but you have to worry about, you know, upsetting any other tournament organizers, right? Or, you know, other officials, no regulations you have to follow. You just do what you want, right? As long as you're being ethical, of course. Yes. Like, um, what's it called? The thing that annoyed me about Challenger Mode was um, the uh, Demonic Blade situation. I couldn't mm -hmm. even get them to ready up properly. It was, To be honest, it was slightly their fault. I will say that. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to assume they wouldn't, don't use Challenger Mode as much. But it made Blue Skirmish look bad because they assumed, oh, what's it called? This is how Blue Skirmish mm -hmm. operates every week, of course. It creates a bad impression. And because I wasn't able to get the admins, you know, to help me, right? Yeah, they're like, oh, we'll just, you know, play. We won't play next week, of course. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's just it's just upsetting to see because I messaged him was like, oh, you know, we've got this big esports player playing in our tournament today. We really need your help. Just leave me on scene. And the thing is, what I've found, I've been in, you know, of course, tickets, of course. And I realize, oh, what's it called? I'll be back and forth with this person, right? And I find that some of these challenging admins, right, they don't even have, like, some engineer permissions or anything. They don't even have, like, the permissions on their oh. platform to edit, what's it called, like, certain things. Like, you think, oh, they've got more power than you, of course, to change certain things on their platform. Like, they can like, override features, like, oh, let's say, what's it called? They could probably get Melanie in the game, of course. But no, they couldn't mm -hmm. even do that. They literally barely have any permissions of the support team by yeah it's limited as well and Be okay support team <laughs> exactly and about the call to action right uh it's gonna get controversial right but the call to action tournaments on challenger mode i'm not sure if you saw the email um about I'm that dead. 
They okay, everyone, get ready for this. Challenger mode doesn't want people to advertise their own prize pool. They don't want to advertise. Dun, dun, dun. Literally, <laughs> thanks for the sound effect. Of course, of course, that's what I'm here for. Here before I get copyrighted. <laughs> Like the soundtrack people. That, one, um, that one's got to be like that one's got to be at least like past its date. That one's been yeah, out so, a while. Fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. But yeah, it's it's so weird that what's it called a tournament or a tournament platform would stop you from advertising your tournaments to other players. Surely that you know helps players go to the platform and play the tournaments for the whole day. Because what's it called? Mm -hmm. Would you play a ten pound tournament or would you pay? Would you play a hundred pound tournament if you had the choice? I'm probably playing the hundred pound, right? Get a exactly get a chance of getting a part of the yeah. Pool. So what's it called? Why would you want to hide that from the players? They said what's it called? Oh, we want our players like what's it called to think less about the prize pool, more about playing the game. Mm -hmm. But back to what I was saying. It's back on recording now. Sorry, everyone. What's it called? Technical malfunction. <laughs> I ran out of space on my SSD. But yeah. <laughs> it's on the wrong drive because every time OBS resets, of course, yeah, you have to put the drive back on there because I've got like four different drives. So I've got to switch to the right one. It's mm -hmm. really annoying. So I don't even know what I was saying now. <laughs> You're talking it, about it, how it, if they don't yeah, have a yeah. prize pool... Then it's basically mm. scrims, and then I mean, like, why would you play in a tournament when you can just go to a looking for scrim channel on a Discord server? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is strange, of course. But what mm. was more weirder about this fight is they say, oh, you can't do this fight. I was looking on Challenger, but it was like, oh, a big banner appeared, right? It was like, oh, what's called? Get ready for Golden Goose fight, our thousand euro event. It was a huge thousand euros fight, and you know what that is? Call to action. Mm. They're not wrong. And so my fear is they are creating a monopoly in their own platform. So they're making sure what's it called people don't go to their other people's tournaments, but they go to theirs because their tournament they're getting less and less players every month. Because that what's it called? Sense. There's more tournament organizers like you who offer more money and are not offering an entry fee. They're offering you have to pay for an entry fee to play in their tournaments. I I think like I mean, I think for the grassroots tournaments to succeed, though, like, you definitely need, like, tournament platforms and, like, broadcast mm. uh, racket hosters that uplift other organizers and, and creators of these yeah. events. So, like, 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 party does, like, like, um, <laughs> sorry, like community gaming does. So, I definitely think that's a little bit of a red flag, so I understand you wanting to create your own platform, mm. but, yeah, I, I definitely can understand the struggle there. Yeah, it's just, it's a very weird thing. Like, I've used um, Battlefire in the past, not as a tournament organizer, but as a player, of course. I played a few Valorant tournaments. Yeah. Um, the guy who helped me set up Blue Skirmish, Diallo, you may have seen him from time to time, the Discord server. Uh, he yeah. was actually episode one, of course, as well. He, um, what's it called, set up a tournament on Battlefire, and it is... I don't mind Battlefire, but I've heard it's got quite a few bugs, of course, um... You know, I'm saying it away from it. They have offered Blue Skirmish money, though, in the past to um, be a part mm -hmm. of the platform. So that is cool. But at the time, I was like, well, I want to stay with Challenger Mode because it was the bigger platform. Mm -hmm. The thing is, in NA and Europe, of course, Challenger Mode um, is the biggest platform in the EU. And in NA, Battlefy is the biggest. Yeah. 
strange, of course. I mean, I'd like to see more people in Challenger mode, but I mean, I said that before, but I don't think I want to see that anymore. <laughs> Is there any more tournament platforms than Battlefire and Challenger mode? Like I said, I, I know a few smaller ones like in NA, like Community Gaming or Pydia, but maybe Blue mm. like you said, could make one that's uh, going to uplift the grassroots tournaments more. <laughs> I have I have a name. I have a name for that, actually. Right. Ooh, drum roll. Okay. Yep. Sea Storm, okay? It's kind of like Blue Skirmish, of course, Ooh. but yeah. Sea Storm app. On brand. Follow it on Twitter, of course. The Twitter account is made. I made it um, like a few... I made this about like a year ago, of course. And I didn't think I'd use the app, but I was like, you know, maybe in the future I'll make a tournament. This was even before Blue Skirmish as well. I was like, you know, maybe mm -hmm. I'll make a tournament app, of course. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. But that is that is the plan. I need to, of course, look on Fiverr. Like, on the... I believe what's it called? On Fiverr, I was looking at tournament um, websites, of course, to purchase and get someone to code it for me. And they're about 200 to 400 pounds, so I'm going to look into that and see how much it costs to host it. But yeah, you said yeah, um, you can code as well, didn't you? Oh my goodness. I I think web designing is definitely one of my kryptonites. I do more like backend and systems. So I, I can do a basic website, but nothing mm. fancy. <laughs> <laughs> like a tournament or a platform might require. No, nah, I was just wondering because what's it called? You said you've been, you're studying computer science and stuff. Yeah, outside of esports, I do mm. software engineering. Like I've interned with with Amazon, and like yeah, yeah. like you said, esports is a little volatile at times. So make mm. sure you have a, ba a backup plan if you want to get into casting or, or esports production. <laughs> this is very true. I feel like esports yep. can be the wild west at times. That's true. It's a good comparison. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually work in IT myself, so. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. See, we're you know great parallels esports to, <laughs> to engineering or CS. It works. It works. Yeah. It does. Some more skill sets. Mm. But yeah, the good thing about being part of, you know, the tech industry is you can bring the skills to any other part of the tech industry, of mm. course. Of course, yeah. you've got, like, podcasting, you can bring it to um, the esports kind of production line. We do tournaments, of course, which is obvious, you know, podcast mm -hmm. became Blue Skirmish, of course. And then you can bring, move it to something else and you can move it to something else. Once you've learned that skill, you, you move to another. And then you also teach you important skills like Photoshop and After Effects. Once you've mm -hmm. got those skills. Yeah. And because you're enjoying it as well, you're going to learn more. So. Yeah, no, completely. Like, I, I've had opportunities. Like I said, I, I shadowed just so that I could learn more about the scene as a whole. I mean, like, I've even gotten to accidentally kind of tournament organize once, which was like finding the talent and the production team. Because mm. last minute when I joined them as a cast, they were like, oh, we don't really have enough observers <laughs> casters, and i was like all right i got this and like mm. reached out to my inner circle and built a team out so i understand kind of all the work that can go into something like this in remote and now i have a little tidbit of what goes into in-person ones <laughs> that is that's really good so you've learned a little bit about tournament as well so yeah back to my point you know that's called one skill leads to another it's amazing yep exactly Take advantage of any opportunities that are thrown mm -hmm. your way and take them in stride. Don't kind of bypass them. Yeah, like, yeah. Eh, it's not relevant to me. You can always learn something or even a skill mm -hmm. that you might not have thought, especially in the esports world. Mm. Do you do anything else in the esports space other than casting, like maybe streaming or content creation? Yeah, I'm 
I'm definitely, like I said, I, I cosplay, so there's mm. that. I'm trying to get more into cosplay, but I've been moving around yeah. so much that I don't have, like, a stable workshop space until I get back to campus. Mm -hmm. But I, I started jumping into content creation just because it is kind of um, a very parallel environment. I mean, if you have all this stuff to cast, you have all this stuff to stream, ideally. Yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. it's fun to play the same games that you cast just so you can have kind of a support so that people come out while you're casting an event to be like, I love that caster. And, like, that hype's <laughs> always encouraging to see. But also, when I'm not casting, I, I can do watch parties for the events that I, I will be casting for to make sure that i can stay up to date on all the background information or on all the games that i will be casting their teams for in the future part of a bracket i mean especially for like game changers i, I know i've done watch parties for gc1 and gc2 because i wasn't casting them and if i don't cast mm. gc3 then i'll probably do a watch party for that as well and so i definitely think it's a, a good parallel and it's a great way to spend your free time it's great and what's the cool where can we find you yeah, twitch.tv slash Zobi or uh, Zobi with five eyes on, um, five? on Twitter. Five oh, eyes. Three was taken, crazy. okay? It was it was taken. Three eyes was what about taken. Four? I tried, I swear. What about four? Uh, I don't know. Four just didn't feel as cool as three or five, right? And three and five are I like I like the odd numbers because I'm a little odd. But um <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I, I never talked about this, but Zobi actually comes from uh, the first Valor tournament I ever participated mm. in with my my, my 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 five stack, right? We had our, our friend the, their name yeah, was yeah. Shobi. So S H O B I, and oh, we all okay. wanted to copy their name, but with the first letter of our name. But since mm. they took the first letter of my name, which is Sierra, I took the first letter of their name, and that became my new username. That always <laughs> happens in like gaming with like names, of course. They're like, oh, I want to copy my friend. I want to copy my duo, of course. And then that happens. Yeah. Like I had the same um, story with someone in episode two as well. They were saying it was called how <laughs> they uh, made a cutlery clan, of course, because this guy was called. Um, forks Ooh. so he he became spoonsy another guy became knifesy but yeah that's funny that's funny yeah i mean nobody had zobi i think it's a pretty mm. cool name so that's what we went with it's better than sierra sparkles which was my first ever uh gamer tag with it was sparkles with a z because it was after <laughs> captain sparkles the minecraft youtuber that i watched growing up <laughs> he's a good youtuber he's yeah. um he's Very like wholesome. slightly um obscure now unfortunately but yeah he's He's still out there, of he's, course. He's more of a nostalgia yeah. oldie that still streams and mm. like still is like in events with with the youngins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as he calls them. <laughs> it's good to see that some of the OGs of YouTube are still there, of course. Exactly. Mm. So, what is the future of Zobi like? The future. Also, it's definitely of better. Zobi. That name is definitely better than what was it again? Sierra Sparkles. <laughs> Sierra Sparkles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, it's definitely right? better than that one. Has a nice yeah, yeah. Ring. Um, but no. yeah, I think, um, <laughs> the future for me, hmm. So I've been obviously like I reached out to Blue Skirmish and so I've been helping mm -hmm. out with uh, casting for you guys, but I think I want to get into more of the, the co-ed scene in terms of casting. Like I said, I did mm. a lot of game changers, but I want to get into like the tier two challengers or Knights Productions yeah, Knights yeah, being yeah. the organization in North America in charge of that league. Um, and then I also want to get into the actual GC cast, like the VCT mm. official ones, um, as a non-binary individual, just so that that representation is there and that other people can see like, hey, anybody can get involved in casting. Other than yeah. that, um, I'm going back to school this year. I discovered esports during my uh, my year off from classes. So it'll be kind of figuring out how to rebalance casting and streaming with my academic life. Hmm. That's good. Um, Night yeah. Gauntlet, that's a very... Nice tournament to get involved, it of is. course. That's what I want to try to get into. That yeah. soccer cup. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Knights. Um, what's it called? I want the Blue Skirmish overlays to have a bit of inspiration in the future, of course, by Knights. Ooh. 
I mean, I've always looked at them and go, oh, you know, this is the perfect example of a tournament organizer. Like, yeah. they're, all, they're, like, they're currently hosting um, Valorant um, VCT, aren't they? Yeah, they're doing It's crazy. It's actually crazy. Um, I want the same, you know, aspect for Blue Skirmish, but with the EU. That was the plan as well. And um, with Blue Skirmish, of course, um, there was a plan to get into the Game Changers scene. And there still is a little bit of a plan. But yeah, um, there was a few tournaments I had in mind. Um, Violet Skirmish. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. So, you know, Go after keep it, your definitely. eyes... Keep your eyes on that, but it'd be a big thing to organize, of course. I also want to do, of course, a LAN event in the future, but yeah. Especially on um, what's it called, I mean, the game changer scene, but yeah. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. And now I think we are at the three questions. Yeah, I mean, you already kind of started um, answering one of them <laughs> in terms of like, you know, Blue Skirmish, you talked about mm. how there's a lot of veterans that have been playing in events for a while, but... I, I mean, mean, I did say that in the podcast, than, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, uh, for like, you said, do you have a land in mind? Do you have a Game Changers event in mind? Mm. But is there anything else kind of your hope or vision for uh, Blue Skirmishes in the future? I want it to be, I want it to be self-sufficient. I don't want to rely on what's it called, mm -hmm. just using paycheck to paycheck to refund Blue Skirmish, of course. It's, mm -hmm. it's fun and it isn't at the same time. I'd rather be able to have sponsors then put them on there and then take a paycheck from the sponsors, of course, right, to pay costs, mm -hmm. of course. Because it'd be so much easier and the creativity with the tournaments as well, I could hire, you know, some very talented people for production, of course. Because currently, right, mm -hmm. with Blue Skirmish, um, I don't have the full team um, I don't have an observer, I don't have a producer right now. I mean, I did um, before, but what's it called? Um, one of them is currently having some diff difficult family issues, which I won't talk about. And the other yeah. one didn't want to be an observer. So uh, it's just me being an observer and producer now. But yeah, of course, we've got cast, oh. like you, of course, in the show. And of course, um, shout out to Dialu, who was called um, mentioned broadcast GG, because I would never found casters, right, of yeah. course. But yeah. Because Broadcast GG, it's an amazing platform. For anyone who doesn't know, anyone's looking for casters for tournaments, of course, Broadcast GG is the platform to go. Like, yeah. there's casters, there's observers, there's producers. If you need someone to help with any, like, tournament, of course, just reach out, of course, right? Set the price, of course, right? Say, oh, I need X, Y, and Z, of course, the times, of course, the event. And yeah, someone will message yeah, and I mean, there's even other servers that are similar to broadcast.gg. The, mm. the broadcast.gg is my favorite, too. Like, I've gotten a lot of opportunities from there. But, like, I can even send them to you, Faze. There's ones called, like, esports production resources. There's ones called Valorant Talent. That's for Valorant specifically. While broadcast.gg is obviously for all games. Um, and so those mm. are some cool servers that kind of do the same thing. Even though They're a little bit smaller than broadcast.gg, but they're you, know, yeah. you get opportunities there once in a while. So they're kind of cool. Mm -hmm. And I also, there was a plan to do a charity event as well. Ooh. I've actually done some charity events in my in my mm. time of casting. I, I definitely think they're a great way to give back to the community that's yeah. kind of helped make your events possible. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it would work, though, because what's it called? I want to give to charity, of course, but at the same time, how would you how would you do that, of course? Because um, you, you want to give the prize pool to the team, of course, yeah? But you also want to make sure charities get money, of course. But you don't yeah, want the so... players, you want players, you know, you want certain amount of players to, of course, join the tournament. A lot of players in like entry fees, of course. Like this is um this is from Become Players, which is a charity as well. But yeah. 
I mean, like, usually what it is is, like, the casters that are helping out with the, with the broadcast mm -hmm. and the players who are playing in it want to do participate just for the sake of, like, this... Participating is their form of charity because they can't give m their own money out of their own mm. pocket necessarily. I mean, that's usually what I do when I do the charity events. But um, also, like, sometimes if you don't want to... If it's not directed towards a specific charity, you can be like, hey, winning team gets to choose a charity from this predetermined list to support um the specific cause we've chosen for the event or you can do kind of incentives for the teams who win um that mm. are similar in that regard so you could probably do like a let's say it's a thousand pound prize pool of course right say like mm. oh 200 pound goes to the charity of course that would yeah, work so i guess, I guess yeah like, yeah either way usually it's like players aren't playing for money they're playing for the charity um mm. and the, or the exposure yeah yeah, so I guess, you know, like you said, mm -hmm. land, game changers, charity, those are the events, or the future of Blue Skirmish. But let's look to the past of the Team Oasis podcast. Uh, what's kind of been your, your favorite episode or your favorite story that you've covered? That is a good question. Like, I don't think I've been asked that before on the podcast, so yes. yeah, it's a good one, okay? <laughs> season two just started, you know, you have a whole season to re reflect on. <laughs> true, true. I mean, of course, I got season one as well. Um, yeah. I would say... Hmm, that's, that's a good question. It has to be either Season 1, Episode 1, or Season okay. 1, Episode 7. And what were those about? Now, Season 1, Episode 1 was about um, a guy named Dunway. He was the owner of Team Zide, which was a massive organization about a year ago. They're coming back in December, but they had 100,000 followers Ooh. on Instagram. So they were quite big. They were more into the Fortnite team, but they would get into the content creation team, and they were kind of like setting... An example of what an esports team should be, and it's what inspired mm. Team Oasis, of course. But it was really nice oh. to meet the owner behind it. Um, I mean, he hooked he hooked me up with a really cool hoodie. I don't have it right now, but it was like this mixer hoodie. But yeah, um, big fan of mixer. I used to stream on mixer. You heard of mixer? I feel like I have, and I just mm. don't use it. I feel like I've heard of it though. It's not around anymore. It was by Microsoft. It was Microsoft streaming platform. But yeah. It was like Twitch's rival back in the day. They signed Ninja, of course, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like loads. It was like billions, of course, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So, what was I saying? Of course, Dunway, right? He helped me also could um, grow his um, team voices, of course, right? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, of course, I've had a few problems growing up the team, of course. It's not easy running an esports org. There's going to be people who want to take you down, of course. And this of guy, course. also cool, whenever, you know, I was in trouble, right? There was this big situation was called, and he was like, you know, don't let these guys get you, of course, right? When they know nothing, of course, right? And they just basically, he basically picked me up and put me back on his feet, and no one else was able to do that but him. Mm -hmm. So he is um, quite a big inspiration for me. He basically saved Team Oasis, in a sense. So Yeah, yeah it's cool to meet your heroes, so it makes sense. Mm -hmm. What was the episode you said six or seven about? Seven. Um, seven. I meet um a guy called Domino. Now I have I have a rough history with this guy because he's also because sometimes we get along with him, sometimes I don't. Sometimes he talks behind me, but I'm a back. But he's he is a really cool guy. Like he's um he's very chill. He's very relaxed. He plays a lot of Valorant. He's quite big. Mm -hmm. He's not huge in the NAC, but um, but he's played a bit of CS:GO. He was on Team Zydeo mm -hmm. as well. But he um was a player for Bandits, which is a jersey behind me, of course. Um, I own nice. Bandits, which I rebranded Team Wizards, of course. And he was mm -hmm. a player on Bandits. He's someone who has a big career in esports. So he's got loads of jerseys, of course. 
I, I don't know how to describe it, but it was a good episode because he, he talks really well. Okay, if you watch the episode, you'll see. After but a listen. Yeah, season one, episode 10 as well. That was a good episode. One of my favorites too. Do you know why? It's a good. Why? So that's another caster as well. Dutch boy cast. And Dutch boy, oh my god, Dutch boy is cool. I agree with that. Mm. Yeah, he's. Oh, you've met him. You met. Him. That's cool. I haven't met him, but I've like I follow him on Twitter and like I've watched some of his casts. Hmm. He he's got the mouth, you know, as well. He can just like he's very talented. Yeah. Like what's it called? Uh, my brother, who's um, I've recently got him to be my social media manager. So I just basically <laughs> pay him to make some clips. He's really good at them. So you will see some clips of you as well, what's cool on YouTube and TikTok, right? Cool. Of the podcast, of course. Some clips, like 30 second clips, of course. And Here we go. yeah, he cuts them out, you know, every day, of course, and they get uploaded. So it'd be on Twitter, Here TikTok, Insta, YouTube. He was saying to me, oh, what's cool, this guy, you know, he's, he's so interesting, of course. He's so interesting to watch. It's amazing. Uh-huh. It's well, definitely one of my favorite um, podcasts. He, the um one of the downsides of Timo's podcast though is that not a lot of people um of course promote the podcast. Yeah, which is a big problem. Something I'm trying to look into, of course, you know, my ways to promote because of course I've tried marketing, of course, and I've tried a few mm-hmm. um other ways, but getting different types of creators from different genres of esports, of course. Like we've got mm-hmm. casts, we've got esports orgs, we've got esports players, esports creators. Mm-hmm. I've and what's called, of course, um, Diallo, he makes music, which is part of episode one. That was the whole focus of it. He makes mm-hmm. a kind of like meme music, which is really interesting. He gets like quite a few plays. Diallo music, by the way. Check him out. But yeah, it's... It, that's a big um, problem is getting the guests to promote the episodes after. It sounds really... It sounds, it sounds really bad, of course, right? But yeah, one thing I liked about what's it called season one, episode seven was because um, Domino, what's it called, was the type of guy, what's it called, to pay it forward, of course. Mm-hmm. He pays it back, of course, and people come to watch the episode. So it's mm-hmm. nice to see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you always got to give back to people who enable mm. and uplift you. So I definitely yeah, try yeah. to do that. Plus, I want, the, I want the podcast. I helped out with the episode. I want to make it a success. Mm. Um, plus, Wait, I, like one I said, thing, I one thing. Yeah, go for it. The biggest reason why I made the podcast, of course, is, you know, I want people to tell their story on the podcast because I feel like, you know, yeah. a lot of people, you know, you can say on Twitter, of course, you say, oh, this is how I began, this is what I did, right? But it's just not yeah. the same, of course. I want people, you know, it just looks egotistical on Twitter, but on the podcast, it makes, you give someone a platform, right, to share, you know, how they begun, right, without sounding egotistical, of course. I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, do you know no, what I'm trying I, to say? Yeah, I completely agree. Like, I just posted my one year anniversary mm. for esports that I made like a recap video of my first year. Yeah, I yeah, was like a little awkward posting it. And I'm like, I want to celebrate mm. the people that helped me. But I also feel like I'm like, yippee, I've done all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, versus like, I, I felt mm-hmm. honored when you asked me to come on. And I definitely think not only, like you said, is it a platform for us to tell our stories, but then people hearing those stories might be encouraged or might learn how to get their own career started, right? Like, exactly. Like esports yeah. is like, you have to find mentors or like mm-hmm. find ins in the weirdest spots. There's no real like yeah, yeah. standard baseline of, of resources to get into the space. It's all like weird avenues and weird mm. directions that you can take to get here. I. It's it's really good, I suppose, especially back to the career part, of course, because episode three with Diallo, mm-hmm. he's appeared on twice now already. So maybe you'll appear mm-hmm. again, of course. We never know. There we go. When, I, when I'm in when I'm in VCT, <laughs> uh, that's when we'll we'll come back to it. Sounds like a good, uh, good idea. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, speaking of VCT, um, obviously, this even though we're recording this a little bit early, this episode mm-hmm. will be airing this Friday. Um, and Friday will be, obviously, the second... Actually, that'll be... Uh, yeah, that'll be the second day at the Kia Forum for VCT Champions happening um for you know the, the final event of mm. this year or this cycle of the vct league so you know to just end like what is your who's your favorite team in a vct champions like who are you rooting for that's a good question because i don't really what watch um vct i mean i haven't watched in a while of course so i mean if i had to pick a team i would say fanatics you know they're EU, of course, they're Europe, right. so <laughs> gotta support, you know, the continent I'm on, of course. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're a great team to support right now. I mean, um, <laughs> I have I have a Boaster twerking sticker on my my laptop right now that I got from from Yunsu at my shadow. Oh my. Um, he's a he's a great personality on the team, and I mean. <laughs> They were knocked down in the upper bracket as soon as they got into playoffs, which was shocking. So mm. if they do end up making it to the grand finals, it'll be a full lower bracket run. So, I mean, you're supporting the underdog story without even realizing it. So that's good to know. <laughs> true, true. Um, I wish them the best, of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they did well in, what's it called? They did well in, what's it called? Iceland. They won lock- yeah, they also won lock-in in uh, mm. Brazil. So. Yes, they've yeah, they've they had have, some good achievements. Yeah, they- yeah. Yeah, this is the first like big upset mm. that they faced in the. In the yeah, yeah, while. yeah, yeah. It's um, it's sad what happened to G two though. I would say like, the whole G two situation with Carlos, uh. of course. I'm really like, what's it called? Like he was such a um charismatic guy. He was like before, right? and now he's just mm-hmm. weirder. He just believes like what's it called the Earth is flat or something, right? Like don't let anyone tell you anything. It's like this guy, man. Yeah. Like, uh, G G two, uh, interesting mm-hmm. work. You know, I mean, a lot of the STEM players obviously went to them as a challengers player from the NA side of things. Um, yeah. Versus, you know, the GC team so successful. So it's like, there's there's highlights and there's downfalls in their work. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he really messed up as well, to be honest. It's like, and the thing is, what's got a lot of people when they get cancelled, of course, right? they just go full rogue. They don't, like, back down. Yeah. They don't, like, say, oh, it's my fault. I'm sorry. Right? They just go... They keep going further, they keep doubling down, and something you don't really want to see in the space, of course, because if you keep, you know, if that keeps happening, of course, you know, people, no one's going to ever, you know, turn like, oh, you know, he's redeemed, of course. No, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, like I said, esports, you definitely got to keep mm. your um, keep your, your image on social media pretty up and out, yeah. which is also, like I said, why you can get into content creation and streaming. It makes your, mm. your brand or your image look a little bit more well-rounded. <laughs> yeah. It is a shame what's it called, how what's it called, you could be, you know, up there, right, what's it called, and then the next day what's it called, you're just gone. It's yeah, it's exactly. crazy, and that's like what you were saying earlier, you know, esports is quite a volatile space, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, it is. one day what's it called, um, you're five, and the next day what's it called, you're, spo- you're losing all your sponsors. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, even for casters, it's like mm. one day you might have like three events, then you won't have an event for a month or two. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're always you're always welcome on Blue Skirmish, of course. Yippee. Yeah, good to know. <laughs> um, I don't know what's going if there's going to be another if there's going to be a Blue Skirmish next month, but I don't know because with okay. cha- me leaving Challenger mode, I might go to Battlefy or I might wait until I've got um. What's it called? I might do like a small tournament platform. in the background, but yeah. You can always take time off, reassess. Mm. Maybe give t- teams the time to take a break as well. Not too bad to rest yeah. sometimes. A big thing about the leaderboard, of course, right, is they, I've 
So the leaderboard's a bit messed up, of course. So top one, top mm -hmm. two, and three. They go to the top three players of the leaderboard right now, of the league, mm -hmm. which is a problem because it does it on single oh, yeah. players. So, and every touch change, it was like, can you, can you change that? You're like, they were like, no, we can't change that. And I was like, why not? And they were like, they were like, what's it called? Because it gets terms of service. And I was like, what? Don't you make yeah, terms of service? <laughs> exactly. And I was like, why? I was like, why can't I at least like, you know, I was like, ask them about, because I cancel the tournament and then give it to another payment yeah. method. And they were like, no, it's against terms of service as well. So if it, I mean, red flags all over. Yeah, rules. yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I'm not sure about what's called, what's going on with the regulations, but I don't believe it. But yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think um, that's going to be it for this podcast. Um, Zobie, um, how was your stay? Hello. How was my stay? It, 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 where with the with the podcast? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was, like, I, I was like, I was like, I am staying in LA in a hotel. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's been great. You know, mm. like I said, I I I reached out to to Faze obviously back with, through broadcast GG. Um, yep. And like I was like I guess listed as a secondary caster because you had already found somebody. Yeah. And yeah. then suddenly I was pulled in and have been casting mm. for you guys. And then now the podcast after a few successful solo casts. And it's it's been great, you know. We got to touch on my background. We got to touch yeah. on kind of some of the issues with the grassroots scene and some mm -hmm. of possible improvements. And then kind of now look into the future of both, you know, Blue mm. Skirmish, a tournament organizer, and me as yeah. a caster. So it's definitely come full circle, I think, which is great for a podcast. <laughs> I definitely did mention this before as well, but in the future, I do want to do the um the duo cast, of course. I've done it in the future, like one-off events, mm -hmm. of course. But I definitely want that to happen, of course. Um, occasionally, I get Dutch podcasts on the um Ooh. skirmish as well so maybe you could get to geocast with dutch boy um maybe cool. diallo or maybe even what's it called when if one of our new casters dolphy vix but yeah yes yeah, so i've done some vod review with them and another caster before so i know mm. they have some potential they're they're a little young and eager right <laughs> yes yeah it's nice to have that though of course because you got to start young as well especially in esports mm -hmm. so i agree mm -hmm. i mean i'm young too <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's good um, yeah, that was the podcast. Um, everyone go check out Zobi, you know, of course, twitter.com slash Zobi with five eyes at the end. <laughs> um, don't know why yeah. they pick four, of course. It's a nightmare to write on Blue Skirmish, like, casted by at Zobi, I, 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 I. But yeah. But yeah. Go check them out, of course. And that was me, Supervisor, your host, and make sure to subscribe. We'll see you next month. <laughs>